to the Supergirl Supercast, a part of the incomparable family of podcasts. I'm Tracy Matson, And I'm David Schaub. And today we're going to be discussing the 2018 CW crossover uh, series called Elseworlds. Are we sure this is the 2018 crossover? I thought this was the 2019 prologue. I, I missed something <laughs> somewhere there. Yeah, it's... Um... It raised a lot of questions and failed to answer quite a few of them. Uh, there were quite a lot of fun moments uh, in this series. Um, I did enjoy quite a few pieces of it, but there were also other parts that left me scratching my head, and um, it, it really did feel like a setup more than a complete thing in itself. Well, it was almost worse than that, because I've discussed these episodes with a few people, and a lot of people have the conclusion of, do you mean that was the ending? Or how did we get to this point? It felt like not only did this not cover enough, but it feels like there's an entire episode of material missing for this to be a complete story. It truly feels like a portion of a story that we're not getting all of. I also feel like in this uh, crossover series, they have really moved away from what I thought was partly the original point of crossover, which was to get watchers of one show interested in and willing to try other shows on the CW network. Um, this really, there were a lot of Easter eggs for people who've been watching, but there really wasn't much to draw in people who might have watched this just to give a try. I don't think it's going to encourage a lot of people to watch other shows that they're not watching already. I have to admit that I have never watched Arrow, and I only watched, I think, the first three or four seasons of The Flash. And this episode reminded me why I stopped watching The Flash and didn't inspire me to watch a lot more Arrow. <laughs> so it didn't do that. It made me a little curious to watch a Batwoman show. Oh, definitely that, but we can get to that later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Overall, I have issues with this. I don't feel there was quite enough there for what they were trying to do. It really made me much happier with last year's crossover. <laughs> and I thought last year's crossover was challenging because they had this huge... A huge cast of characters. Yeah, this is a huge cast of characters and still came off better than this one. And to a degree, this is a harder story to write. Trying to do a story where the universe itself is changing is a more challenging writing problem. I just don't think they pulled it off. Okay, well, I think it's probably time to start discussing some details now. So can you give us the recap for part one? Episode one, The Flash. On Earth in 1990. Oh, sorry. Earth-90. Earth is destroyed after failing the Monitor, and only the Flash can escape. On Earth-1, we meet John Deegan, a belittled Dr. Frankenstein. The Monitor gives him a book with the power to reshape the universe, because reasons. Barry and Oliver wake up in each other's lives, but in their own bodies, but with their own memories, but with the other's powers kind of so complicated. After critically failing a persuasion check, they're locked up in Star Labs, but eventually escape to ask Supergirl for help. Briefly on Earth-38, Lois and Clark are introduced, a short training session happens, and many jokes are cracked. In the fastest Amazo story ever crowbarred into another story, it shows up, copies everyone's powers, and is destroyed by a computer virus developed in 45 seconds and delivered by a kryptonite-tipped arrow. Eat your heart out Independence Day. One last vibe tells them that they have to head to Gotham. Okay, so let's see <laughs> where to start. Well, starting at the beginning. I have to say, I love the fact that we actually start in the 1990s Flash TV show. Yes. <laughs> Even if that universe was destroyed, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, um, I'd like to point out that at the very beginning of this, the monitor, the, well, the, the mysterious godlike being who we discover later is the monitor, um, he says, you did this to yourselves, and now you will all perish, which doesn't exactly seem to click with the rest of what happens in the episode. The problem is, we don't understand this character's motivation. 
or really what they're trying to achieve. We were told it a couple times, kind of, but maybe it's supposed to not make sense to us because he is just too far beyond us. But it just doesn't make sense. I suppose so. We're told that he is testing people in these uh, universes to try and find real heroes who can stand up to something terrible that is coming. But there is absolutely no explanation of why he gives this ratty little scientist the power to uh, one who uh, professes eugenics uh, philosophy and has his students walk out on him. Why does this guy get the ultimate power on Earth One to to reshape reality? We're never told. I think he was talking to his peers, not students. I think it was like a symposium of some kind or something. But the question I had was, in a world where metahumans existed, wouldn't this type of research be considered perfectly reasonable? Like questions of how do we get superpowered people? Well, that's been happening. So obviously the people would be researching it. And if you go back to what we're witnessing in Supergirl, Lena's currently on that path. Right. So I'm trying to understand why he was simply laughed out of the room for being crazy. And maybe that was earlier, but I, I thought it was actually a bit of a strong reaction to his Dr. Frankenstein-like tendencies. Mm-hmm. But your point is true that the real problem is, why would you give this, even described in the show as a nut job, a book to rewrite history? And I would think the answer is, if he causes enough problems, we'll then see if anyone else can fix it afterwards. And it just didn't matter what problems he was created. He was simply there to be an agent of chaos. Okay, so it wasn't through any particular value of Deegan's just that he was the best monkey wrench to throw into this universe. And maybe he had a good brain for the process of rewriting history with the book. Like maybe some people are more capable of doing that than others. But again, it does seem bizarre for Monitor to give this book to him. Why can't the Monitor just rewrite history in some appropriate way? And maybe there's rules to the universe we don't know. Right. And this is a lot of discussion for what actually doesn't take much time in the show, but it's the whole setup. <laughs> so There's a lot of conversations that don't happen in the show that probably should have, mm -hmm. if they wanted us to understand what was going on. And maybe we are taking the wrong tack. We should not assume that we're supposed to know what's going on. That's not really the kind of show these CW shows are. <laughs> um, right. This, this is not counterpart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, despite the, the uh, twin universes and everything. <laughs> okay. So anyway, the first result we see of this uh, reshaping of the universe is that Ollie wakes up in a strange bed, and it turns out that Iris is making him breakfast, and she thinks that he is Barry. She thinks that they're married, and Ollie later discovers that he has super speed, uh, and decides that the best thing for him to do is go to, to track down, uh, well, he says Oliver Queen, but actually he means... <laughs> Barry in this uh, altered universe. Um, but before we get there, there, I really, really did enjoy when uh, our Ollie was talking with Team Flash and getting massively uncomfortable with all of the public displays of information and people talking about their feelings. <laughs> it does show the difference between those two shows. And I do quite like the line from Oliver earlier on, which I think is very justified, which is, oh, Barry, what have you done this time? <laughs> yes, I laughed out loud at that. That line <laughs> is good. Assuming that, once again, it's Barry's fault for messing up reality, but he didn't, he wasn't actually guilty this time. If you wanted to see Ollie being embarrassed by other people's feelings, this was definitely the episode for you to watch. And I thought that, um... Uh, the actor, Stephen Arnell, uh, just did a great job of um, reacting, you know, in ways that let us enjoy the humor of the situation. 
Grant Gustin was also fun at trying to be gruff, angry, uh, you know, trying to pretend like he was gruff, angry uh, Oliver Queen, trying to tap into his inner anger, which he doesn't have a lot of um, to to power himself. Um, I thought I really enjoyed uh, throughout this crossover, uh, those two playing off each other. They are very funny. At times, the humor felt too much for what, in theory, is an important event happening. Generally, the problem I had here was not on Oliver's side. I mean, I could handle Oliver being embarrassed and having him to deal with people around him having feelings. That seemed okay. But it's the story plot line of Barry losing himself to anger when trying to act like Oliver. And for all of that, I could just not see it. Like, why was that happening? What was the reason for that happening? Was there a motivation for it? I didn't see any. Unless there's an implication that the newly written reality would eventually take over their minds and they'll eventually be the other person. But we didn't get that impression. I had the feeling that they were bleeding over into each other's personalities a little bit. Barry was snapping at people a little more. Um, and uh, uh, Ollie was saying emotional things, you know, not as often as as Barry would, but more often than I'm used to seeing or uh, uh, than than I'm used to uh, getting from um, from Ollie. Um, I don't watch the show regularly. I dip into it now and again. I get too irritated with all of the lying that goes on on that we'll show. Get there. Yes, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, and But I, I do um, uh, listen to the Arrowcast regularly to keep up with what's happening. And um, I do watch The Flash. I actually didn't watch the first couple of seasons. I started watching The Flash regularly after I started uh, watching Supergirl. I would actually, just to briefly give you a plug for, you really should watch that first season of Flash. It is still remarkably better than, I think, any other season that I certainly saw. It was worth watching. Mm Mm-hmm. I suppose my problem here is just that it didn't feel like the story was causing them to act more and more like the other over time. It just felt like the actors were playing the part. And the line was even said, we have to play the part. It felt like there was some intentional decision to do this, and I didn't understand why. And the show did not present a, a reason for it that I could cope with. Yep. I did think it was funny that... uh Barry was just kind of enjoying the bizarreness of the situation until he realized that uh, uh, this affected his relationship with Iris. <laughs> okay, so um, anyway, they they are disbelieved and they are put into the holding cells. Ollie asks, why are we in your secret prison? And Barry says, it's not a prison, it's a Tesla tube that dampens powers. A potato, potato, I say. <laughs> and we will find out it dampens aliens' powers, too. Right, right. I suppose my only problem here was I didn't understand why Iris would think what they're saying is ridiculous, but did not believe that they were who they said they were. I mean, you have to accept that at least one really weird thing is going on. But, you know, I guess she could have thought they had image inducers or... Who knows what? But yeah, she seemed a bit slow to believe um, what what is admittedly an incredible situation. But then again, they deal with incredible situations a lot. And it helped that they had Oliver try and talk to Iris, which of course was the wrong thing to do. (laughs) That was dumb. But still, the whole them getting locked up and having to escape, it just felt contrived. I should have actually counted the number of times people are locked up in this episode. It's remarkable. (laughs) This feels like classic Doctor Who. (laughs) Right. Um, Regardless, they escape and then they go to Supergirl's planet and we see the Kent family farm and I squealed when I heard them playing Somebody save me! (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, that that, that was... uh, I don't think I watched 
the Flash much uh, in the '90s, but I I definitely watched Smallville, and so it was. I just really enjoyed that bit. So uh, naturally, they all start to fight at the at, at the beginning, but then quickly realize no, no, it's it's this is a friendly visit and a visit seeking help. The one thing I'd like to note was we get to see Lois Lane with Kara, mm-hmm. and this does not make Kara look more like a good reporter. <laughs> No, but didn't did I hear correctly that Clark Kent in this reality writes stories as Superman with a byline of Superman, or did I mishear that? I don't know. I didn't get that impression. I thought there was a comment that implied he was making more money than Lois, hmm. and that that was ridiculous, and that would be ridiculous. I wasn't quite sure. There were, there were some oddities in the lines there, but I don't think that was the implication. There's no way in this universe does Clark Kent not be a secret identity. And actually, that was the only thing that covers from Supergirl over to this, where Supergirl was just asked to release her secret identity. It was kind of ignored in this episode, but that really means you probably would be passing over Superman's secret Good identity point. too. <laughs> that is also the States. It's always this problem with Supergirl in that if Superman is in a moderately nearby city, why doesn't that matter more? <laughs> well, they're certainly taking care of that question by the end of the crossover. Yes, that is no longer a, a concern to have. <laughs> uh, one other bit of humor that I just enjoyed a lot was that um, Barry actually shot Ollie with not one but two arrows. You know, it's it's mean, and I don't understand why... Ollie heals so quickly from that. Maybe that's just Ollie doesn't have superpowers, but he does have amazing recuperation. (laughs) This is the same scene we got in one of the earlier episodes. So there's an episode where the Flash goes to Green Arrow for training. And they play out the scene where the Flash runs at the Green Arrow and the Green Arrow just shoots Barry in the back with arrows. And of course, the Flash as part of his super metabolism, heals very quickly. Mm -hmm. He's not at very much risk of actually dying from it. And so this was multiple years later, Barry getting to do the same thing to Oliver now that Oliver has the powers of the Oh, right, because Oliver has the speed force now, and so it won't hurt him either. Okay. He'll heal fast enough for it. (laughs) It is a ridiculous scene, but you can truly see how Barry would adore doing it. Yes. Barry's a playful kind of guy most of the time. There's okay, so anyway, they they um they go back to Star Star Labs. Uh Ollie does a confessional. He says that his lessons came with painful memories and that's how he motivates himself. Barry, on the other hand, has to let everything go to run faster. Uh and that's where uh Kara oh the they weren't back at Star Labs yet. Sorry, this was still at the farm. Yep. Cora was listening from behind a door. <laughs> Degrees that they have to start acting more like each other. So that's um, uh, that's part of what I was. I think that's the beginning of where they have to try to start acting more like each other. And so, but you know, do maybe they? It's, well, is there I a justification for that? Oliver does end up opening more opening up about himself more. I don't really believe Barry's trying to motivate himself through anger as much as I do Ollie's trying to open himself up. We have this training scene, and the primary reason for the training scene is so that we can have Oliver get shot in the back with arrows. But it's pretty clear that Barry has all of the skills that Oliver has built up over the years. Yeah, the fighting skills. Mm Mm-hmm. How else could he have been doing the fighting he's already had in the episode? Mm -hmm. The script seems a little inconsistent here as he implies that Barry hasn't been doing this training. It's like, eh, this isn't really necessary. The scene is just there to set up this anger business and have the funny scene with the arrows. And perhaps I suppose to have a funny scene with Kara as they pretend to sound like Oliver And at that point, I really think they're just filming the actors having fun as much as the characters. Well, I found it enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's fair. What I what I did not feel particularly enjoyable was the uh, the whole the entire Amazo robot plotline. I could have done without. They didn't do a bad job considering how much they smushed it in. It's amazing how fast <laughs> they did all of this. <laughs> and I have to say, this line, which I probably won't even get quite right, is wonderful. So an evil copy gourd is coming to Clatobarak to kick to our asses. <laughs> Some writer should get a bonus for that. That is pretty beautiful. <laughs> it is definitely rushed and kind of ridiculous. And I think Amazo is quite an interesting bad guy. And it's almost a bit of a loss that this is how he's used and we don't get to see him being used because you could do a season arc on Amazo pretty effectively. Well, I'll I'll try I'll take your word on that. Uh certainly from what we saw in in this episode, uh it was not interesting, but Well, it helps if Amazo has a personality. Or they didn't explore the potential of it at all. It was not didn't do much for me. Uh, this episode also has the problem of in Supergirl, most power people are aliens and on Earth 1, most of them are metas, and so right. there's this bleed as to Amazmo is targeting Superman and Supergirl as meta powers to be copied. Uh, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've never really been told how you know, does meta do meta powers change your genetics? I guess they do since um Caitlin uh had that that thing in her DNA that um they were exploring in the last uh, few episodes with, with Killer Frost being still inside her, even though uh, she had been sort of knocked out of Caitlin for a while, but she got her back. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, there's a lot that I don't understand about meta powers and alien superpowers, but I guess we don't have to worry about that yet. <laughs> this show is not going to answer these questions for us ever. I do have one question, a very Supergirl-centric question, which I've never thought of before, which is, how does Kara have earrings? Hmm. I guess it would have had to be a kryptonite needle, huh? I don't That's... see Kara doing that. Yeah. But anyway, this is not a question worth answering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe... Yeah. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Not a question that had occurred to me either. Um, we'll just have to move on from there. That's most of what I wanted to talk about with, with the first part. Um, the only thing else I wanted to briefly mention is, beyond the fact that I haven't been watching The Flash very recently, so the new Wells confused me uh -huh. to no end, I'm pretty sure you can't send a check across dimensions. It's it's hard to know how what bank is going to honor that check. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let's move on to the next episode. Uh, why don't you give your recap of part two then? Episode two, Arrow. A random seeming fight occurs and some agents are killed, but nobody really cares because there are jokes to crack. For the love of all that is CW, why are these men lying to Felicity? Kara, Oliver, and Barry fail to be inconspicuous and are arrested in Gotham. Kate Kane wants to help them for no obvious reason. She's cool. They track down Deegan to Arkham Asylum. The 90s Flash warns them to find the book, like in the game Mist, but a bit more helpful. <laughs> Deegan escapes due to Oliver moving at a snail's pace, but they get the MacGuffin. Batwoman shows up, and the first words out of her mouth are, Kate Kane. She and Supergirl bond as the 90s Flash offers more exposition, the Monitor steals the book back, and Deegan creates an even more warped reality. Right. Um, so, uh, there were also a lot of things to enjoy in this part, mainly Kate Kane. I thought she was great. Um, she, she has a great presence. Um, uh, Ruby Rose, I think is the name of the actor. Something yes. like that. Yeah. And she was very impressive, very charismatic, um, very hot. Um, and so I enjoyed the introduction of her, even though it was pretty clearly <laughs> an introduction for the sake of a spinoff. But, you know, I'm eager to follow that character. And I still have hopes that Maggie Sawyer will move to Gotham City and they can have an awesome relationship. <laughs> we can definitely keep up that hope. They do a very good job of getting rid of Batman and discussing whether or not he's a myth or real. That's all a nice touch. 
Batwoman is, I think, as you said, a really interesting character and presented interestingly. Mm -hmm. I can't help but feel she's misused in this because she has really no motivation and doesn't really do very much. It hurts a little bit. It's a placeholder for an introduction. And I never originally saw the Flash introduction in Arrow to see what that looked like then. Well, certainly, if this show comes out, we'll try and watch it, but this could have been done better. It could have. I'm I'm sure that it's hard to balance introducing a whole new character with keeping the focus on everything else that was going on in this show. Um, I mean, her self-stated reason for helping them was that they were trouble magnets and she wanted to get them what they wanted so that they could get out of the city as quickly as possible. And I guess it's enough for me to hand wave and move on. <laughs> they were trouble magnets in jail. <laughs> I would personally like to hope that she actually had some idea that they were already trying to do something and it was more active intent to help. And it was merely a lie from Kate Kane. That kind of works better for me. Yeah, I, I did like the little sidelights on... Um... Kate Kane watching the city um, and, you know, how how hard it had been for Bruce to see the city decaying around him. Of course, she was trying not to give away Bruce's secret identity to uh, these interlopers. But, um, you know, there, there seemed to be a little feeling behind there. I, I could I could feel feel her pain in the situation a little bit. So, you know, I f for... I mean, I'm not a, a script writer. I don't know how they would have done, how they could have done that better. Probably there was maybe some more graceful way to handle the situation. But, you know, the introduction of Kate Kane certainly did the job of making me want to watch more about Kate Kane. So, uh, at, le at least a partial success in that. So do we know if... Batwoman is going to be Earth-1? Because the interesting part is Earth-38 Supergirl said that Superman was friends with oh, that's right. Bruce. Or Batman. One of the two. Doesn't matter. And she also seemed to understand She said he Gotham. was friends with Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. There's an implication that maybe that Batman and Gotham also both exist on Earth-38. Hmm. Well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I... They could do it either way. I assume it'll be Earth-1, but, but it's <laughs> funny that they actually could do either. Yeah, it, it's funny. Well, you know, there are, there are a lot of um, parallels in the, in the Earths. There are people who exist in one form or the other on, on both of those Earths and, uh, you know, many other parallels. So I could see there being uh, two different versions of Batman, one on a planet with aliens and one on a planet with metas. That's interesting, though. Shall we discuss Felicity? Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, poor Felicity. Why do they keep doing this to them? I yelled at the screen when they decided to lie to her. Yeah. This reminded me of so much pain of watching The Flash and having everyone lying to Iris all the time. Mm -hmm. Remembering the frustration came back to me. It's like, oh, that's why I didn't want to watch this show. Oh. Yeah, well, the lying to Felicity is actually why I stopped Arrow. There was the the episode where Oliver found out about his son and decided to lie about Felicity again right after they had just had a reconciliation about, you know, not lying to each other anymore. And I was like, I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> that was it for me. And not only that, but after that, we then get the next little plot point with Felicity which is whether she should be upset because Iris realized that there was a difference because of lover intuition and Felicity missed it. Which makes no sense in this story. The fact of that happening made total sense to me because they, uh, Felicity and Ollie are not in sync right now um, uh, at this point in Arrow. And also, you know, fair enough, the, the Flash team has had a lot more experience of different realities. So it made sense to me. For those two reasons, it makes sense. 
but for in this story, she didn't actually interact with Barry at all as Oliver. So we never saw them interacting. There wasn't any time spent there for her to have figured it out. Uh, That's a good point. That's a very good point. And that's the bit which was missing. We never saw her miss it. Therefore, having this being a plot point, and it's just such a contrived plot point. I have issues with this three-parter, I have to admit. (laughs) Well, on the other hand, just just having that discussion gave uh, Felicity a little more screen screen time on a show where she didn't get a lot of screen time. Uh, This really was mainly uh, much more about just the superheroes this crossover was than um, last year, where everybody got involved and everybody had some part to play, it felt like. And she does get some part to play here, and she does do a good job at her job. Mm -hmm. That's good to see. I did enjoy, also at Argo Labs, one thing I did in Argus Labs, whatever they call it, uh, I did enjoy the reference to Quantum Leap. (laughs) The debate between Freaky Friday and Quantum Leap was pretty funny. (laughs) And that was what convinced Curtis that... Hey, this is not Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... The writers do understand their characters. Yes. And I also enjoyed the whole discussion about whether Batman was an urban legend or not. Um, th- that, you know, th- th- that was just fun. Um, <laughs> Propaganda. And uh, then, then when Ollie, or, uh, well, when they both go um, to, to Gotham... With Supergirl, and people are freaked out because they don't want, you know, they don't want another vigilante in this city. <laughs> Apparently Green Arrow thinks he should be the first vigilante. He thinks he should be the only vigilante, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. One of the other scenes we do get with the passing around of the MacGuffin in the Arkham Asylum when everything goes to pot is the Scarecrow's fear gas is released. Mm-hmm. And for some strange reason, when given to these characters' brains, they then get fears from the other person's memories. Okay. Yeah, um, which I guess is part of the body swapping thing. Maybe your memories Maybe. Are, are in synapses or chemicals in your brains. and uh, But they didn't that's... body swap. <laughs> they well... just power and life swapped. <laughs> Help. <laughs> um but but it did make for an interesting setup because you know they were fighting these great enemies of the bodies that were they were in but they didn't really know hardly anything about them i I don't know if they knew you know i I don't know i guess i'm sure ollie has heard of yobard thon and flash has probably heard of malcolm merlin But, you know, they had no idea how to fight them. There's a psychotropic drug which is giving them hallucinations, which is pulling things out of the other person's memories. I just... Right, and that's something from the Scarecrow from Batman, Um, but... Yeah, exactly. It was a leap too far for the setup. And I always kind of have a question as to, in a fist fight, how can anyone possibly, at human speeds, stand up to the flash for a moment? Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of this felt like a bunch of hand-waving for something wasn't worth it, and mostly this was just passing the MacGuffin around for us to then get to the next part. Yeah, I'll grant you that there were quite a few moments in this uh, series where it felt like the writers just wanted to do something cool and didn't try hard enough to figure out how it would all work. Yeah, I have to admit, when Deegan set off the small explosion and opened the gates, and Oliver's just watching him run out of the room, and I'm going, pretty sure he's really fast. I think that's the point. He's Flash. (laughs) (laughs) And Deegan just runs out of the room. Yeah, that shouldn't have happened. Um, I don't understand how Deegan was a formidable opponent in this. Yes, he ran away from both the Flash and from Supergirl. People who can run around the planet, so way well, yeah, I will get there. <laughs> Was there anything else you wanted to cover from episode two? I liked that they pointed out that Ollie used to have to do his own hacking before Felicia Felicity came on the scene. 
Oh, one one other point that I noticed was that when um, Cisco vibed people through to uh, to this planet, Diggle did not throw up. So it's the speed apparently that upsets him. But just vibing and jumping through through a portal does not <laughs> bother Diggle. Yeah, if you did the same gag every time, it stopped being funny. Well, they they do it every time. Sorry, yeah, they, they do it every time. Super for the speed. Class. But it They're was, just being it's... consistent in their world building here. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. I, I, I also, in the asylum, when people were running wild, I, I, I just liked the, uh, what's her name? Norma Freeze, whoever uh, the Freeze, Freeze woman was fighting Caitlin. I do like the fact that the intake desk was not faced at all by someone with freezing powers. They have lots of them. <laughs> right. Let's see. I guess we should talk slightly about um, the psycho pirate. Psycho pirate is that what he's called? Which is there any reason to? This is an introduction to two characters for future shows. This was the introduction to Batwoman, and this is the even weaker introduction of Psycho Pirate, which matters for next year's recap. Yeah, it it was very much just a side note in in this. So. Yeah, that was annoying, too. That was just something for next year. It really had no effect on this episode at all. Well, I guess after all the lying and Felicity knows that she's been lied to yet again, uh, Oliver makes a speech to uh, Felicity that we're going to be okay. People grow and evolve, but but what won't change is how I feel about you. You'll always be the love of my life. And they kiss. And yes, it was a nice romantic speech, but, you know, he didn't, he didn't say, and I'll never lie to you again. And even if he had said that, how could she possibly believe him after all the other pledges, to be honest, that have been broken? Actually, I would want to add one more thing about the episode, too, which was Supergirl lets Batwoman know that she knows she's Kate, oh, yes. which makes perfect sense. But then there's the great scene where Kate is clearly smart enough that she has enough information after knowing Kara for a few minutes that she knows that Supergirl is Kara. Poor Lena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was also slightly disturbing that um, Supergirl told Kate, wow, you really have tattoos all over. So, you know, beyond just looking behind her mask, is is she, you know, looking... <laughs> Is everyone basically naked to Kara all the time? When does she choose when and how much of her x-ray vision to use? Well, I would assume that one of the reasons why Clark and Kara wear glasses is that they are somehow filtered to block the x-ray vision. (laughs) So they don't have to deal with it most of the time. I don't know if that's the case in in the Supergirl universe. But I think this is just part of that moral superiority complex Kara has where she doesn't think anyone else should have secrets and she can have as many as she wants. Hmm. (laughs) Okay. On that note, on to part three. (laughs) If you would be so kind. Episode three, Supergirl. Deegan is now Supergirl, but a man. So he's Superman? Oliver and Barry still know who they are, but now they're a criminal duo. Supergirl and her Kryptonian powers are dampened by the Star Lab's jail she's in. But luckily, all of the things she knows about Alex still apply. Oliver and Barry talk mobster boss Sisko into getting them to Earth-38 eventually. With Superman in hand, they return to take on Deegan. Supergirl and the Flash run around the world. I give up. After the MacGuffin is passed back and forth many times, Oliver cuts some kind of deal with the Monitor. Brainy, Lois, and John show up to help save the day with Oliver and his special blue crystal arrow. Lois and Superman are going to get married and have a kid on Argo. And Deegan makes friends with Psycho Pirate to complete the setup for next year's crossover. Yeah? At this point, my notes started to get a lot thinner. (laughs) Maybe based on how much sense anything I was seeing was making. I think that Deegan had not, you know, didn't... He changed what reality had been. So people in the streets remembered him being a hero and were excited to see him again. But he obviously didn't change his own personality because 
uh, he he was not acting like someone who people would have been excited to see and, you know, happy to see. Uh, he had to be prodded into saving people. Um, and then later on, it, it, he he just, you know, it, it was obvious that he, he didn't care at all what happened to the people around him. He just wanted his power trip to continue. I don't know. I think this episode had one bit that I really quite liked, which is the good guys were in the position where they had to knock down a crane and drop it on a bunch of people because risking innocent people and therefore distracting Superman is really the only way to ever get away from him. And so they followed that strategy, which is the right strategy to take. Awfully risky that yes. Deegan as Superman would actually do it, but he does. And that is an interesting thing for the show to have shown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. When they were running away, Barry said that he wanted to throw up because of being upset at putting those people in pow in peril deliberately. Um, but yeah, you're right. Deegan did do it, even though they had to kind of spell it out for him. Hey, you want if you're so you know, if you're the hero, you're supposed to save these people. Though, arguably, he could have just let the crane hit the people and then rewrite everyone's memory anyway. <laughs> I guess. I still kind of have the question of why does Oliver and Barry still remember everything? And maybe there is some higher level monitor thing going on here. That is the reason why the main characters that we're watching are the only ones who aren't affected by this stuff. But eh, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, I, he's not doing all this to test Deegan, I guess. He's doing it to test Ollie and Barry. Correct. Um, and whoever comes into their orbit. <laughs> but it does seem like a crapshoot as to who's affected by the world-altering and who isn't. Yeah. It, Super Deegan comes into the Super Deegan building, um, <laughs> and everyone claps for him. It's like sort of like the DEO. But uh, Diggle and Caitlin are his lieutenants, and it turns out that Alex is a guard working at this complex. Um, and he's re rewritten reality to just go ahead and put Supergirl in a cell in the first place and stole her powers along the way. Copied her powers. I think she still has them, but this is the thing where the Kryptonian powers are also dampened by Star Labs jail technology. Oh. Right, right, right. Right. I don't know how I feel about the setup for Alex as being the way Supergirl escapes. It seems a little bizarre that everything that Supergirl knows about Alex are still things that apply, and that's the only thing that actually gets her out. Yeah, I wasn't... It was It was too easy. And it just felt too easy. They've relied on that emotional uh, bond so much and you know i love the bond that they have but it just felt kind of like cheating here it did <laughs> i think i believed it better with oliver and barry talking mob boss uh, cisco into learning how to jump worlds to get to earth 38 right. i think that actually played out much better right well they gave him a decent motivating factor which was you know if we'll teach you how to do this, and then you can get rid of Superman, who uh, Cisco calls Super Dick, which is funny if you've watched some of, if you've seen, you know, some of the online. Uh, uh, there's a web comic which shows Superman sometimes taken out of context, but often behaving arrogantly and meanly <laughs> to other people. So, like a Kryptonian, you say? <laughs> Oddly, yes. Maybe it is genetic. <laughs> we should really never forget just how powerful Cisco is. There's no really good reason that Cisco couldn't just show up and throw anyone into any other universe. Right. Right. Good thing he's a good guy most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. But they do get to go back and get Superman again. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, Clark is happy at first that they're, that Barry and Ollie are back in their own bodies again. But then he starts asking... Where's Kara? <laughs> it felt like this is a missed opportunity because the second episode is the introduction to Batwoman, but the first episode and the last episode are basically just repeating the same thing over again. Mm -hmm. It just feels like, I don't know, a waste of a crossover. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> yes, sorry, I'm pointing out the obvious, yes. 
I don't. I just don't know what I can add to that <laughs> because you know, I I can't call it a total waste of a cross crossover because there were things that I enjoyed, um, but there were, you know, the Monitor to me seems like an even more stupid supervillain than Thanos. Uh, you know, they both think they're doing a good thing for good reasons, but the the Monitor is doing all this. Uh, you know, destroying worlds and stuff because some bad crisis is coming in the future and he wants to winnow out the the weak superheroes. I just, I'm not happy about this. <laughs> I don't buy Thanos' belief structure, but at least I understand Thanos' right. belief structure. <laughs> I think the biggest thing that comes out of this is Next year's crossover better be really good to make me feel that it is worth using this crossover as basically just being a prologue for it. I have high expectations now for Crisis on Infinite Earths. Hmm. <laughs> I did go and picked up the original Crisis on Infinite Earths ah. graphic novel. So I'm going to actually read that. And maybe I'll have a better feel for the monitor after that. But it doesn't really matter because we can only judge this show based on this show. Right. As far as crossovers go, um, it would have been really, really hard to try to top uh, last year's crossover, which was just wonderful fun for me in a lot of ways. And I pretty much thoroughly enjoyed it. So they had to go in something of a different direction this time and pick a different thing to do with their crossover. I'm not enthused with the way they left it, which, you know, came out and blatantly said this whole crossover was part one of a two-part One Hopes. <laughs> one Hopes that it'll just be two-part another, you know, whole crossover series next year. This is a hard type of story to write. Like, this is a more challenging thing to attempt to do, which is exciting to see, and Crisis on Infinite Earths also might be as challenging. But it means it's easier to fail at it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I agree. Like, even though the cast was so huge in last year's crossover, that was a so much more enjoyable show than this yeah. one was. Yep, it was. <sighs> so we take on the last bits of this plot? Yes, yes, before we get totally sidetracked. Okay, so Ollie talks the monitor into... Something. Letting him... And I don't exactly know what he talked the monitor into letting him do, other than no not idea. having Kara and uh, uh, Barry destroy themselves in their time-stopping efforts. And let me just say that in in the Superman movie where he went around the world backwards to reverse time to save Lois from dying in that earthquake, that was stupid. But <laughs> but having Kara and Barry run around the Earth in opposite directions to freeze time just had me wailing. No! <laughs> it takes effort to do something that makes the Superman time travel bit seem <laughs> remotely plausible, but they've done something that is just so much more stupid in this episode that it's just inconceivable. As an extreme super science, I still might actually be a little more annoyed by the flying scene in the last Supergirl episode. But let's just give this extreme super science line a read. If Supergirl and I travel around the globe in opposite directions at just over Mach 7, we should be able to create enough centrifugal force to slow the Earth's rotation and everything else. <sighs> you could take any like three words from that and they're horrible. But if you put them all together, <laughs> it steams. Ah, uh, yes. I'm... And it doesn't even show that it mattered in the episode. At right. least in the Superman one, it pushed time back so he could save Lois. In right. this story, it has no particular effect that we can see. I think the effect was supposed to be that it was slowing down uh, Deegan's latest rewriting of reality so that they would have time to fight, fight, fight him. But we couldn't see that. They didn't show that to <laughs> us. 
everything about this climax is a disaster. Yeah. There's an implication from Superman that changing time and changing reality has a price to pay. But just that description of a sacrifice there isn't followed up on at all. Now, Oliver talks to the Monitor and clearly cuts some kind of deal, which is what Oliver was in trouble with previously in the episode for cutting some deal behind everyone's back. And now he's, in theory, cutting some deal with the Monitor, and now he has a special blue crystal arrow. Who knows what that does? But we don't even get to see the consequences of it, so maybe we'll see the consequences of it, what, next year? Right. Well, the blue crystal arrow gets shot at the book and burns it to a crisp somehow. But how we get there, we're not told. It seems to be implied that Ollie might offer himself as a sacrifice in place of Kara and Barry because they are innately good and can inspire people. That's the implication. So, I mean, if Oliver dies in the in the remainder of the Arrow season because of this, mm-hmm. maybe that will then make this make sense. Or worse, Oliver just sacrificed his good side, so now he can be truly the bad anti-hero. That's what I would fear they would do. And maybe if they kill him off as a function of this and end Arrow, I don't know what the plan is for that show. That would make sense. But that just seems a shocking thing to do without saying anything in this crossover. Well, it's weird because the crossovers so far have been mostly self-contained. Last year had the big transition was Farshorm. Okay. But, I mean, mostly they've been bottle episodes. And for them to have a lasting consequence from a scene that we didn't even get to see all of... Exactly. ...just <laughs> seems like a bad choice. I don't know. And I don't know if there's any other consequences for Superman. Or if the consequence is just the setup for Crisis and Infinite Earths. I don't know. We won't know for a year, or maybe at least until the end of the season of the shows, whether there's any justification for the climax of this. And it is awesome seeing Brainy, Lois, and John show up. Lois's hammer isn't explained. I think there are cases of it being explained in other animated shows in the comics. Brainy taking on Amazo, that was pretty sweet, even if we didn't get to mm-hmm. actually see it. John doesn't actually do very much. <laughs> Which is true to form. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fairly consistent, I suppose. <laughs> but at least they didn't have him do lots of violence. So they're at least being right. moderately consistent that he was there right. to he protect was, people. He was going to help protect the crowd or something like yeah. that. But we'll see. So as everything is actually wrapping up, um, uh, Kara says, so it kind of looks like this is becoming an, an annual thing. So nice way to hang hang a lampshade on that. <laughs> Might as well be talking to the camera. Yes. And uh, Supergirl kind of squints at Ollie and says, Are you smiling? <laughs> he says, yeah, I kind of like you. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see, uh, we see uh, Kara with Lois and Clark back in Smallville. And they explain that... Uh, They had so much fun on Argo, wink, wink, nod, nod, that uh, they're going to have to go back there again so that Lois can safely uh, gestate a non-superpowered baby because because on Argo the powers aren't 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 worked. So I, I I was amused at that you know workaround for. Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex, and it also uh, very conveniently gets rid of Superman for uh, nine months or more because so we can stop asking, you know, why is this crisis on Earth something that Superman is not involved in? But, you know, nine months or more means that he could, he just might come back for next year's crossover because that would be in a year. Reference acknowledged. I have read that Larry Niven essay. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, right. And then, my goodness, the, the tired old trick of Superman compressing a charcoal briquette as he is, as he is oddly Rot to do. doing barbecue at the icy fortress of solitude. <laughs> he, he compresses a charcoal briquette into a diamond and then somehow adds a ring to it too and proposes to Lois. So 
I'm trying to think of whether this is some weird writing decision where, well, if they're going to have a kid, we have to get them married, right? I guess. I don't know. It seemed a strange thing to just sort of toss in at that point. To me, it had seemed nonsensical, but maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it is just to appease certain watchers of the show. That was my take. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, the whole compressing charcoal into a diamond, a perfectly cut diamond, <laughs> is far from the least ridiculous thing we've seen in this episode. I can almost let that one pass. True, true. I can swallow that one a lot easier than the whole time thing. Also, toward the end, uh, Barry and Ollie are in a bar, and they have a nice little talk, and Barry wants to hug, and Ollie's like, No hug! <laughs> But he does toast, appreciating what you have, because it might go away at any moment. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> yeah. And we have the setup for Psycho Pirate. All I really want to end this with is, boy, next year's crossover better be good. It, it has a lot to make up for. <laughs> it really does. I will read the comic before we get to the crossover next year. Mm -hmm. We'll see if that helps. So I don't think I'm going to read all of the other connective comics that were impacted by the event. Right. I would just like to point out that I think comic crossover events are a horrible, horrible thing. <laughs> and I feel kind of bad that this show has forced me into this, though really that is still my own choice. We'll see what next year's looks like. Well, I'm lucky enough to live in a town a county with a great library system, so I'm pretty sure I can just check out that graphic novel or trade paperback or whatever it's called uh, and not actually pay money for it. <laughs> I love my library and I pay my taxes. <laughs> Libraries are wonderful things. Librarians are superheroes too. Yes, they are. Do you feel okay. better? Okay, <laughs> I've said my piece. Sometimes we need this cathartic response to episodes and this was three whole episodes worth. <laughs> I feel a little bad because I'm not watching either of the other two shows. And while that doesn't really matter, it probably makes some of the in-jokes less likely to carry the episode for me. But really, yeah. this episode, as you described, should be there to make me want to watch the other episodes. That is the purpose of the crossover. It's cross-marketing to try and get people buying all of the comics, or in this case, watching all of the CW. And at that job, this did not work. Sadly. I guess that's going to be it for the shows and for the podcast for a while. I don't think we have new episodes next week, do we? I don't believe so. Right. So I've complained before that when they did that, when they did the crossover and then another one or two episodes of the show, that that just felt weird. So I guess, you know, we reached some logical points. Certainly in the Supergirl show, uh, you know, it seemed like a decent stopping place before the crossover and we'll just have to wait and see what uh what the winter episodes bring to us um but wikipedia might not be correct but it currently shows secrets and lies well that sounds ominous <laughs> airing on january 20th 2019 all so right we'll see if well, that there we holds. go right meanwhile i'll be checking out roswell another show about aliens living on earth with secrets uh, <laughs> always secrets. I, I am interested in what they do with that reboot there are too many shows <laughs> it's it's hard to pick sometimes time is limited when you don't have superpowers wouldn't that be a great use of uh, flash's super speed powers if he could make a a super speedy v uh <laughs> playback wow. and uh, just binge all the shows all the time <laughs> Binging at 10 times fast forward. Right, but I guess he couldn't get Iris to binge with him, so he wouldn't, uh, he, would, he wouldn't have anyone to talk to about all his shows, unless he started his own podcast. <laughs> There'd be too many episodes. <laughs> That's right. This guy is crazy. He's putting out a new episode every day. <laughs> all right. Well, it's been a lot of fun discussing episodes with you uh, this uh, first half of the season, and I hope we get to do it some more next year. As do I. All right. I'd like to thank you, of course, and our audio editor. I'd like to thank The Incomparable for hosting us. And most of all, 
I'd like to thank our listeners. If you'd like to continue the conversation with us, please tweet at us on at SG Supercast or uh, join the incomparable to talk with us on the Slack member channel. Uh, we hang out on TV and a few other channels. And I guess that's it for this year. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.